Hello, everybody. Welcome to Keys Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Meals with Jesus, um, what we're doing in this series is we're basically looking through the Gospel of Luke, and um, I'm sort of reading with you and, and talking about with you uh, how often Jesus is at a meal in Luke's Gospel. Pretty much throughout the entire Gospel, Jesus is on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. And uh, I've said that we learn a lot about what's taking place in uh, this process, that meals really are, are central to the mission of Jesus, that he'll share a meal with anybody, uh, and we've seen that, tax collectors, Pharisees, the multitudes, um, everybody that would come to him, and that this is a, an incredible picture of the grace of God, that Jesus, fully God, fully man, will, will uh, have a meal with anyone, and that meals, you know, were more than just sort of a dinner, it was a uh, it was a, an, an, an amazingly integral part of culture back then and relationship. Uh, and so we've been looking through these, uh, these meals and studying them. And, um, you know, I've said to you sort of as a way to remember this whole thing that before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork and things started changing. And so we've been spending time working through these meals. And um, we, the last few times we've been together, we were, we were really kind of looking at uh, a meal at, at a Pharisee's house and how they were uh, forgetting everything else and just kind of vying for positions of honor and um, how, how Jesus began to talk to them about that. And you know, I've also said along the way, be careful that we don't just, uh, you don't just dismiss what's going on with the Pharisees and write them off as just being evil. They had good intention when they started. They had gotten off track. Uh, instead of allowing you know, God to form their character from the inside out by the Spirit, they had gotten stuck in sort of making a rule for everything. They'd lost their way. They'd forgotten the grace and mercy of God. And um, that this is what Jesus is trying to correct with them and that he's, he's encountering them uh, in, in, in extending the kingdom to them, hoping that they'll turn and repent. And that um, we're in Luke 15 now, and we, we spent some time in the first part of Luke uh, looking at two small parables uh, about a lost coin and um, a lost sheep. And today we're going to look at the parable of the lost son, uh, and we're going to see how important these things are. But he's addressing the Pharisees in this, and the fact that they were muttering, grumbling, complaining loudly about Jesus' choice of friends. That he was allowing these people at the table, not just allowing them, welcoming them, encouraging them at the table, and um, they didn't care for it. They spent their lives trying not to be around these people, and, and yet the Pharisees do. They're drawn to Jesus. Even though they're ultimately going to have him killed, there's something about Jesus that they're drawn to that, you know, they get that, but they, they just miss what really matters. So I want to continue today looking at Luke 15. We're going to talk about um, uh, the, the, the prodigal son and what that looks like, very well-known uh, parable. So um, that's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke. The past, present, and future... Walk into a bar. It was tense. Nothing? All right, I'm going to go stand outside. If anyone asks, I'm outstanding. Still nothing. All right, scripture reading. Here we go. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So um, whenever I come sort of to the parable of the prodigal son, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I have a mixture of feelings. I'm, I'm at, on the one hand, I'm sort of humbled and I'm very excited. I'm humbled because there has been so much excellent teaching uh, on this parable um, that, you know, I, I don't know that I have anything unique to add. Um, but it's also very exciting to share this uh, parable with you and dig into it in detail because it's it perhaps one of the most beloved that Jesus ever taught. It's it's one that most people have heard of. And, and so I think it's a wonderful parable to spend some time on and talk about. Um, this parable, as I said, follows two shorter parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin that we looked at last week. And in those parables, you know, the idea is something lost is searched for and found and is followed by a celebration. And that, that each one of those parables is, you know, illustrating that there's rejoicing in the presence of God over one sinner who repents. And, and the Pharisees had been grumbling about Jesus' attention to the sinners and tax collectors. And, and the response from Jesus is that God delights when these lost ones repent and trust in him. And so we spent some time really looking at that last week and what that means. And, um, you know, that's where we're at. Now, this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, makes the same point. Um, It's about God's joy at the repentance of a lost and wayward son. And um, oftentimes when we look at this parable, we really concentrate on this first part, which is what we're going to do this week. But there's a sort of second half to this parable that doesn't always get covered. um, And that focuses on the older son reaction. And I want to give that its own whole sermon next week. So I will do that. We'll talk about that next week. And that, that second part is really the Pharisee's reaction to Jesus seeking the sinners and how they feel about that. So let's dig into the first part of this, talk about the prodigal son, and then and then know that that's coming for next week. So the first point, the thing I want to talk about is this. You know, what is your perspective of God? How do you see God? What do you think God is like? And, and I think that, you know, this is, uh, this is really a, a better question. Sometimes, you know, we ask people, you know, do you believe in God? But really, I think a much better question is, well, you know, what kind of God is it that you believe in? What do you think God is like? And my hope, as we, as we teach through these parables in Luke, these first three uh, in particular, that um, this would be the foundation for how you see God. 
that, that God loves us, that, that he's rich in mercy and grace, that Jesus came as a, you know, was a search and rescue mission, um, and that, that he sought us and found us and rescued us from darkness and brought us into light, and, and that that's your picture of God. Too many people get this picture of God about uh, being this cruel taskmaster who's just waiting to get on them if they mess up, and, and um, that's not where you want to have your perspective of God. He's rich in mercy and grace. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. And, and so I, I hope you see and, and understand God as being a loving father, uh, uh, this, the, the one who's come to search and, and rescue you from the life that you're in, that he's filled with mercy and grace, and, and we get to see his kindness expressed in Christ Jesus. And as you see, you know, how he, how he is at meals and how he wants to be with people in, in, uh, in all sorts of situations, that this is the heart of God for us and, and how, that we would remember that in the process. Now, the second thing, that uh, second point of this note is this, and I, and I want to make sure you see this. I want to talk to you about grace, because God is a God of grace. And grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners and tax collectors to the table, not because of their goodness, but because of His goodness. And so we, we need to have this understanding, too, of grace. It's the hospitality of God. It's, it's what's going on while he's, while he's eating meals with, with all sorts of people. Is It's not because of their goodness. It's because of his goodness. And it's very important that we get that. And that the ultimate display of hospitality was at the cross. That, that, you know, at the cross, Jesus willingly gave his life to provide an opportunity for everyone who believes to become a part of the household of God. And in Christ, uh, we, you know, we, we've come home to God. In Christ, we're one more lost child that's been reunited with our heavenly Papa. We've been invited to the table, and, and in Christ, we accept that invitation, and we have life with Him. Ephesians 2.8, It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so with that thought in mind, with the idea of, of who God is and what God is like, that he's, He loves us, He's for us, He's, he's you know, searched for us, He's rescued us, that's His mission, and that He's uh, filled with grace and mercy towards us, and He's expressed His kindness to us in Christ. With all that in mind, let's, let's talk now about point three, the prodigal son. And uh, we, we read the, the story, we read the parable in our scripture reading, and, and it's best known as, you know, the, the prodigal son, the, the story, the, the parable of the prodigal son. But it's really about the amazing grace of the father. That's what's really pictured in this, this part of the parable. And, and uh, you know, we read the story, and most of you already heard the story. And, and so I, I don't want to go too much into the points, but, but the reality is the son, the one son, he, he doesn't want to live the way that his father wants him to. Uh, he wants to go out and do his own thing. Anybody relate to that? And, uh, and, and so what he does is he goes to his father and he says to him, look, just give me my share of the inheritance now. And, and make sure you catch it. That This is extremely disrespectful. What he's saying to his father is, I can't hang around here any longer waiting for you to die. 
to get on with my life. Just give me what's mine now. I want to go. And the father um, does. He gives his son his share of the inheritance and off the son goes. And, you know, we read about the son's life. He, he gets out there and he lives a wild and crazy life and he does what he wants to do and uh, just out there on his own. And um, all of a sudden there's a famine in the land and he runs out of money. And then he finds himself alone and hungry and in a distant place. And all the friends that he'd made when he had plenty of money have deserted him. And the only job he can even find is a job feeding pigs, which is not really up high on the career list for the, the, uh, the Jewish people at this point in time. And uh, he, he would eat pig pods and he's not allowed to have them. And so he's starving. And suddenly he comes to his senses. And he has this thought. He said, you know, I'm starving here. I'm alone. I'm not going to make it. Um, this is my plan. Uh, I'm going to go back. I know I can't go back as a son because I've, I've you know, insulted my father in a way that that's, that's just not going to happen. But perhaps he'll let me come back as one of the hired people there because, you know, the servants there are living better than I do. And, and so that's his plan on the way back. And... Um, my understanding that there was a sort of st- story that was told at this same time in culture um, where um, in the story, and this is what the Pharisees would have been expecting from this story, is that when the son came back, the father just told him to go. He wouldn't have anything to do with him. So I have this thought that that's what the Pharisees are waiting for. Oh, they know this. I know this story. This, oh, this is a good story. Yeah, but he's going to come back and the father's going to go, go. But that's not what happens. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And, and so, you know, I want you to see that, that, that what's going on is that the father is waiting and watching for his wayward son to come home. And when he sees him a long way off, he goes running to him. And he loves him and he welcomes him with a celebration and with a robe and sandals and a ring. And all of those are symbol as, as being welcomed home as a child. As a child. Not as a servant, but as a child. Not scraping and begging, just turning around, coming to his senses, moving back towards the father. And the response of the father is always this. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're back. I've been watching. I've been waiting. I've missed you. I just want to be in relationship with you. I've done everything I can. And that whole responsibility is just to come and turn and head back. And he's so elated when it happens in the process. And, And what I want to make sure that you see, and this is the point that Jesus is trying to make to the Pharisees, is that the love of the Father was in place before the repentance of the Son. See, the the love of the father was there before the son repented. He's just waiting. The love's all there. He's just waiting for the son to get it. It's a picture of God's grace. And it's based on God's goodness, not on our performance. God loves us while we're out doing our own thing. That's fascinating to get a hold of that. Paul says this in Romans 5, 6 or 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't about us. It's about him. It's, it's about his goodness to us. Always being in place. It's his love for us. See, he's waiting patiently for the opportunity to welcome his lost children home. And he's loved them so much, he's, he's made the way back possible. John three sixteen and 17, you all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So this is the heart of God. And, and this is what he's doing at these meals. And this parable, the parable of the prodigal son is a story... And it's a wonderful story that that Jesus tells to illustrate the father's joy at the repentance of a lost sinner. But but see, these are uh, what I want you to get. These are more than stories of a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. Jesus lived this out. Jesus lived this seeking out day by day throughout his ministry. He sought out those who were wandering. And he gave them hope. He treated the lost and those who had been shunned by the established religious community with respect and love. And and what we have to understand is is that our part is to to keep finding ways to let people know that that there's a God who loves them and and who wants to be in relationship with them now and forever and that he, he just wants to welcome them home. And, and we have to be careful and vigilant that we don't become like the older brother that we'll talk about next week who represents the Pharisees. We, we don't want to slip into that, that place where they went. And yet, as the church, we have a tendency to do just that. Quickly move into rule following and lose sight of the, the mission, the reason Jesus came. There's a tendency that we have that once we've sort of made our own way into uh, light that, that we might forget those that are in darkness and we can't because he never does and that the father's just waiting to welcome them home one at a time remember last week I said that's the amazing thing about this story too is about one sheep out of a hundred about one coin out of ten about a lost son that this is the heart of God one at a time amazing heart of God welcome them home and that, that he wants us to have that same passion in, in his heart of, of rescue and restoration So that we remember that's what matters. That's what's important. That's the heart of it. There's so many other things that go along with it. And I understand that. And and the church needs to be about many things. But at at our heart, we have to understand, this is our heartbeat. This is our mission. It's to to help people out of darkness into light, to find Christ, to to come into relationship with Him. It's the heart of God for people. And and making sure that we're we're looking at that and what that looks like and doing what it takes to, to have opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And what he's done for them. And about the love of God for them. And so, you know, as we look at these things, just just continue to think about what it would have been like. What Jesus was doing as he invited these people to the table. And that those people are us. We're we're them. We're the the lost. We're the broken. We're the down and outers. We're the waywards. We're we're all of those. Being careful that we don't slip through there and all of a sudden become the self-righteous Pharisees. We don't want to head up there. But understanding how amazing this love is for us. And that staying in that spot of his grace and mercy and kindness and remembering it, that he can, we can be used by him to help other people come to know him as well. 
And to me, that's the, the heart of that thing. If you, you know, think about that whole parable. And if nothing else, remember the father was just watching and waiting. Not to condemn, not to, to judge, not to be mean, not to say, I told you so, but just, I'm so glad you're home. Welcome home. Let's have a party. And he does. And it's an amazing thing. And there you go, another celebration, another meal, another party. Because that's what he does. And that's the heart of God for us. So think about those things this week. We're going uh, to look at the, uh, the second part of that and talk about the older brother next week. But we'll stop it for there. If you're watching my video, thank you so much for doing that. Hope to see you here. If you need prayer, go to the website. Spot for you to put in prayer requests. We'll make sure we get to that. And uh, thanks for being a part.